And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 181, aka, we're calling it now season three, episode one, uh, Anarchy on the Road. As always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC. And, and since even from the road, we still can do call-ins, uh, I'll give out the numbers, 303-335-9527, or 303-835-1301, that's 303-335-9527, or 303-835-1301, uh, so how you been, man? What's going on with you this week? Well, um, uh, I'm, uh, what do you call it, um, do you miss m- me morning... <laughs> Morning, the loss of of Richie Rich. <laughs> now everything's pretty good, so still the same. Right on. Uh, mor- Morning, the loss because if I mentioned it last week, uh, I'm now on the road, um, in between places, uh, doing my part to as part of the the Free State Project. Um, so I'm now, I'm now chilling in the the great state of California, uh, staying with some friends. Uh, doing the show from the road, like I said, and the the only thing, like it's it's a brief mention, um, and it wasn't really it wasn't really too dramatic, um, but you know, in order to get to California from Hawaii, you gotta you gotta take a plane, um, so we you know we have to go through TSA, um, and I'm still uh, recovering from surgery, so I got like the wheelchair and all the handicap stuff, and uh, for the most part, it was it was no big deal, um, except like when I went through the the scanner. Right, because I have this heavy knee brace on, um, you know, to as part of my recovery. Um, I tell the guy, you know, like he's like, "Oh, can you take off your shoes?" I go, "Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. I can take off the shoes, you know, but I can do it." All right, take off the shoes. All right, can you walk through the scanner, you know? And I'm, I have my crutches with me, and the crutches can't go through, so they give me a cane. So I like I hobble through the scanner, and then I go, "Well, but I got this big old heavy knee brace on that, you know, that that can't come off." So he goes, the, the guy goes. That's okay. We just have to do some extra screening. I went, <laughs> okay. Like I'm, I'm, pre- I'm prepared for you know all the horror stories, right? I'm prepared for like you know the back room, secret room, hobbling to wherever it has to be, um, to do whatever they have to do. Uh, and the weird thing is, right? This is why it's it's a not it's not not a it's not a big deal, but it was a weird issue. Um, the extra screening was just like a palm swab, right? Right. But he didn't he didn't even like look at the knee brace at all. He didn't pat it down. He didn't like, you know, he didn't, uh, what, what's what I'm looking for? He didn't look it over or analyze it in any way. He just, you know, the, the extra screening because I'm wearing a knee brace was a palm swab. And I was like, huh, interesting. Right. Like I got, I got all this metal and Velcro and straps and whatnot, like buckled to my leg. And the additional screening is like, no, we just have to check your palms for substance or whatever, <laughs> whatever. And sure. and then that was it, you know. Like they, they let me go right after that. So like I said, no big deal, but just weird, you know. That that would be the extra screening um, for for my type of, of injury, and because of the surgery, I don't have to give them the note that says I have metal in my leg anymore. You know, I set off metal detectors type of thing. So that was fine and dandy. Hmm. I also wasn't carrying through like oodles of cash either to worry about. So that was you know. The one thing, the one thing I do worry about when I go through, like you know, when I go through TSA is, um, I think I've talked about this the last time we took a trip, is my little uh, headphone, my powered headphone splitter, and amplifier, mm-hmm. because it's just it's like a battery pack with a mishmash of wires, 
Mm-hmm. And I'm always nervous that someone won't know what it is or will question me as to what it mm-hmm. is, and I'll have to explain, you know, all the little parts. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but that made it through okay. And then, you know, I, I turned it on before we left the house, and it worked. And then when I turned it on when we got on the plane, it didn't work. Oh, so, no. <laughs> so now I got to, like, wait wait for all my stuff um, and troubleshoot why my little, my little gadget contraption no longer functions as such. But, you know, for another day. Uh, anything any like anything going on in your world or are we just going to jump right into right into headlines here i don't know i don't know how interesting it is but uh i i went and was are hanging you still out wearing with my nikes uh yes yes i am um just because <laughs> they're, they're comfortable and <laughs> yes um so i went to my friend's house uh we were talking about you know his business and uh he has a really nice shop and uh in uh Kapolei and um i was talking about uh government how government regulation is messing up the the farming industry because he was telling me that uh, one of the most important things that he, he would do right now if he could is get people to appreciate farming okay like because local farming how... or just farming in general or well, farming in general and, well, sustainable, healthy farming. Okay. And so I said, you know, and I always tell him all the time, well, the biggest threat to rational behavior in, you know, in the U.S. is the government. So the government subsidizes corn, and so we have a lot of corn. <laughs> yes. Know? The farmers would be farming all kinds of other things if they weren't told, or not just told, but bribed to grow the wrong thing um and they would do it more sustainably and uh yeah and so we'd have abundance of many different types of foods um so that was my point he took it very well um and he says well you know what do we do about that and i said well the the biggest flaw in the system is that the system can operate even when people even when everybody knows that it's a fraud so like the whole ethanol thing, everybody knows. Yes. Like the government people, the people that are refining the ethanol, the people that are farming the ethanol, like nobody likes it, nobody wants it. Uh, but there's a big pile of cash that's making people do things. And and that's wh- where the problem is. Like they shouldn't have the ability to raise these kinds of funds to misallocate resources in the first place. They just shouldn't be able to do it. Like there's nothing in the Constitution that says, oh, yeah, we can uh, – we can pay money for ethanol. You know, <laughs> we can we yeah. can rob from one group and give it to another person to make ethanol. <laughs> it makes no sense. Uh, so so basically, uh, you know, I I kind of think in the long term, like the U.S. government is screwed. Like it's just going to keep digging itself a hole until it swallows everything. Yeah, um, that's that's what I think. I mean, it, it could you know how long it takes to get there. Uh, who knows? And maybe AI will, you know, save us, or, or you know, maybe the economy will, you know, has continue to do what it's been doing, which is uh, not stopping even in the face of government. Yeah, um, but man, if it gets so big when it swallows everything, it's really going to swallow everything. Yeah, and so I don't know. We'll see what happens. I I, I think uh, if if and I've said this before, like when when the U.S. dollar ends. That's when it's going to get really scary because 
um, they only know how to do one thing. That's print more and spend more. Right. And until, until everything is done by the government. Um, yeah, we've seen other countries do it. Venezuela is doing it right now. <laughs> Cutting off zeros, in fact. I was I will say this about the 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 corn and the ethanol. So, you know, like like I said, we're in California, and you know, because because we're staying with friends, we you know, we're not like home cooking it. So we go out to eat, um, and we're at one little uh, local cafe, and we got you know we got a uh, like a to go cup um, with a plastic straw. Like those are still you know. The, 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 where, wherever that ban is here it's not widespread yet because no one's bothered no one's bothered us about that but the the, the plastic cup um, that the the beverage came in said like you know 100% recycled uh, corn product so the the corn subsidies even extend to like you know the, the recyclables uh, here that that they make cups out of i thought that was interesting i was like i wonder if, if there weren't corn this is i really thought i was like wonder if, if there weren't corn subsidies like what material would they be using to make these plastic cups since plastic is such a terrible thing you know <laughs> but no so now so now your corn subsidies extend to like you know the, the manufacture of plastic cups uh <laughs> in order to be more uh biodegradable and and earth friendly uh here the other place we stopped off here, like, you know, her friends like, well, you know, weed is legal here. So you got to, you got to check out, you know, the weed shop. Um, <laughs> and so there, there was one called like uh, MedBen, And so like, no, we're, we're cruising around and we, we go to it. Um, and I never made it through the door. Like M made it through the door. I did not make it through the door because as soon as we get there, like before you even get through the door, there's like a security checkpoint, you know, outside like ID, please. I'm like, all right, I'm out. I'm not. Giving, <laughs> I'm not giving my ID. And right as, as soon as like they, you know, so they they usher M through the door, and as soon as they, um, you know, check her ID and let her in, they go like to the desk to get registered. I even worse. There's no way I'm going in because now like you know, <laughs> you have to register before you can even look around. And so I thought that was kind of weird. And then her friend, you know, like pokes her head in the door and goes like, you know, it's too late now because she's already like in the process and getting it done and has been for a while. I think because her friend was like, why is she standing at the desk for so long talking story? And I'm like, she's registering. Like they're they're putting her in the system, you know. <laughs> and her friend goes, you know, pokes her head in the door because uh, she didn't go in either. Uh, just like, I, I don't think you have to do that if you're not going to buy anything, you know. And she's like, well, it's too late now. I'm in, you know. So she, you know, she's shopping around for a little bit. Uh, eventually, settles on some like CBD cream, which may right. be working. Like she put some, she put some oh, on yeah. my leg, and and it feels it feels a lot better today than it did le- yesterday, um, significantly. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if it's you know it's it's been, you know, it's been what like almost four weeks um, since the surgery, so it's not like it shouldn't be getting better. But I mean. You know the the day to day jump seems significant from yesterday to today. So I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's just oh, it's just the cream, but it, it may have been a factor. But anyway, so she you know she goes and she gets the cream and then you know comes out and then you know then we're talking about like there's like you have to register, you're in the system, and then so we asked you know one of the the I don't know that's not security guard but door person the the employee that worked there. Um, what the purpose of that was and they basically said like you know to monitor um, to monitor who's buying what you know like how many times <laughs> a day you can come in and and buy whatever it is you want to buy 
we're tracking it, you know. And the weird thing was, like, so I'm like, there's no way. Like, for me, there's no way. I could, I would never patronize a place like that. Like, you know. And then M goes, well, it's a private business. <laughs> and I go, well, technically true, right? It is a private business, but I doubt, I doubt that would be the rules at a private business if it weren't for, you know, the, the state-run rules and regulations mandated, you know, by the, the, the high priests of the California legislature, right? You know, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that would be the procedure um, if it wasn't such a highly regulated uh, industry and product, you know? Yeah. Like, no place else. You know, like, when you go to a club, yeah, they, they ID you at the door, but you don't have to register as a customer, you know? Even, even, you know, shopping online, right? Like, you know, the registration process even isn't always a must either. It's like checkout is guest, you know, sometimes like, you know, the bigger ones like Amazon, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say who cares. Cause it's totally, it's a totally different thing there. Uh, but yeah, the, you know, it's a private business. They're allowed to do what they want. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't register you know, when I go, when I go into like the pharmacy, I don't register when I go into the liquor store, you know, I don't even like showing my ID. It was like, if I have to show my ID, I'll find something else to buy, you know, or, or the, you know, I, I, I hesitated for a minute cause I do have my free market ID card. And I was like, should I, nope, don't care enough. <laughs> don't, don't care enough because, you know, like as fun as it would be to like walk into the weed shop, um, I don't, I don't do any of that stuff, you know, personally anyway, like I'm not, I'm not interested. So it's not even really my thing. And it's, I'm not even being judgmental. It's just, I don't, I don't need it. I don't want it. Like, you know, maybe the cream works, maybe it doesn't, but that doesn't mean I'm going to like, you know, get registered and get in the system just to, to get some of that. Um, Especially here, not a chance. So that was, that was the other interesting experience um, that we had with, you know, a private business. Uh, operate, uh, operating in the great state of California. MC? Yeah, that's, that's funny. Well, I'm glad the CBD seems to be helping. Um, I, I don't doubt that it is. A lot of people get a lot of benefit from it. Um, yeah, and but the, the my only my only concern is that I've used it before. Right? Mm. Like, you know, we had CBD oil and CBD, um, like, balm or salve or whatever when we were in Hawaii. Um, and the, the CBD oil didn't do anything for me except like help me sleep better. Like it was more of a sleep aid than anything else. Right. Like it didn't, it didn't take away the pain, didn't cure the pain. And she would, um, you know, prior to the surgery when I, you know, cause I had like chronic knee pain anyway, she would use the, the balm or the solver, whatever, uh, CBD product she had at the time and, you know, use it, you know, to, to, to massage my leg. Um, and it was okay. I mean, I don't. It's, it's, I didn't feel anything. It was just kind of like, in my mind, just a lotion to, to make mm-hmm. that procedure go more easily. Um, and same with the cream. Like, there was no immediate, like, oh, my God. Oh, this feels so much better. You know, that <laughs> kind of thing. It's yeah. just, you know, so. And another I, thing is there's actually different strains and stuff. Um, so if you're looking for pain management, then it, it's, it's really hard to find exactly what you need. And so. Okay. So, for example, when, when I was in Colorado, uh, we went to a place that only sells CDB uh, oil and cream and stuff. And, and the guy had, uh, had been in an accident similar to yours. And, and so he was taking it for, for pain. And he, you know, 
and, and putting the creams on and stuff. And so he knew what worked. So, it, you know, it's kind of like you have to, you know, find the right brand and, you know. Okay. Uh, so, so that's, that's what I'm saying. You have to, have to get like a, a first-hand account of, okay. uh, you know, what, what you should buy and, you know, what you should avoid or whatever. <laughs> okay. Well, she bought, she bought a couple of different creams this time. So we're, I'm going to be trying those out. And if, if those yeah. work better than the ones we had back home, then, then great. Um, yeah. But I mean, I mean. So I'm uh, when I, when I you know when I say it's not for me it's not like again I'm not trying to be judgmental um, for the people who use it because I believe that it works it just just like anything else doesn't work for everybody and yeah. so far nothing has worked uh, for me but I'm I'm always open right she goes like I got the cream I go well let's let's you know let me take this heavy brace off and let's try it and see what happens and you know like I said t- this morning felt good so if if you know I'm gonna I'm gonna try the cream again and if it if it gets if it gets that much better, that much quicker, well then yippee skippy, you know, it works. It finally, one of the brands or whatever works for me. Um, and again, I, I let her do it cause I'm open to it. I'm not, I'm not poo pooing it or, or saying, no, it, it has no medicinal value. No, I'm not, not saying <laughs> that at all. It just, you know, so far, so far, um, it's, I'm going to say hit and miss at the very least for me. Yeah. Anything else? Um, crypto is going down. Yeah. See how low, how low it can go. See, and it's been recently and I don't look at it very often, but it's been like up and down and up and down in a very short wave pattern. Like everyone gets all excited, like break 7,000. Everyone's like, all right, here comes the bull run. And then it drops (laughs) back down to like six and like, nope, false start. And it pushes (laughs) seven again. And everyone's like, all right, this is it. And then nope, false start. But it's it's been in the, like the six seven range for so long. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna say stabilized, but it has been relatively stable for quite some time now in that range. Pissing off Cosmo. <laughs> I should have sold. No, I should have bought. No, I should have. No, I should. Ah. Oh. <laughs> I saw him uh, a couple days ago. Really. Yeah. So. Interesting. How, like anything of note or just like, I don't know where, where you guys would run in even the same circles. Oh, he, he invited me over for same oh, thing. Okay. He did like, same thing was last time. Okay. So <laughs> did you, did you buy any more off of him <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as he was yeah. panicking? He did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Now I got a ribbon for that too. You don't have to. <laughs> I, I have to. It's, it's, it is in my nature. It, it is in my nature to, you know, to, to be that guy when I, when I find out stuff like that, but interesting, but yeah, up, down, up, down, up, it goes. I think for, I think for him, it's more like the peace of mind of not wanting to worry about it. It's like every conversation that I've had privately, you know, with him, um, it's basically like, I don't, I just want to sell out and make some money and then not have to have the headache of checking the price every hour to see how far down it's gone. <laughs> and every hour to see how much it's rebounded and to worry about where I'm at, you know? Yeah. But that's, it's in, in context with him, um, like he can do that about anything, right? There, there's always right. a money, there's always a money issue to worry about whether, yeah. you know, whether the money's in your savings account or, you know, in stocks and bonds or crypto. It's just, so or houses. Yeah. Or houses. <laughs> Cause that's the, that's his other thing that, you know, he's constantly worried about, and for years, 
right, has has you know wanted to do something with his with his uh, house situation, um, and talks about it and talks about it. It's like I gotta do it. I gotta do it. I gotta do it. Should I go do it? I gotta do it. And then, but it's always it's always just a worry. It's never there's never a resolved position for him where he's like, okay, we're good. Like we're set now. It's always something to worry about, no matter no matter what, uh, no matter what his finances say. So. Uh-huh. don't be that guy <laughs> I, I guess is my main point <laughs> is my yeah. main point uh you know figure it out I've, one way or I've, the other i've talked to other people about what to invest in and i i always give the advice like whatever you're comfortable with because you know you're living and you don't want to put yourself in a in a position where you have more stress than it's worth so um yeah that's what i always recommend and um, if, if you do want to, to get involved without being too stressed then just buy a little bit every month and, uh, you know, think of it as a long-term thing. And, uh, and that way when the price goes down, you can be like, oh, yay, it's going down. I can buy some cheaper instead yeah. of, oh God, what do, I, what do I do? I have to, I have to sell because it might go lower and then I can buy more when it's lower than that. And then it goes up and then you be like, oh no, I have to buy because it might go up higher and. You yeah. get out of out of the wave cycle, and then you, then you don't know what to do. <laughs> that that's more what M's been doing, or sure. you know, prior to. I, I've just been like, I I just want more, what, whatever the price. I want more. I'm 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 in, yeah. I'm in. I want, and it was the same for silver. You know, before Bitcoin and crypto hit the market, we've talked about this. It was the same mm-hmm. for silver. Like my my goal was always to buy you know a, a few rounds per month, whatever whatever I could afford at the time. Just you know. And I try and to save on uh, the cost. I tried to get some friends to go in, like you know, like a silver buyers club uh, type of thing, where we buy in bulk, you know, together. And I just, you know, didn't didn't have the right friends at the time to to really pull that off. So I don't I don't have an extensive uh, silver collection, but I, you know, I I bought a few here and there when I could. Um, never with the expectation to like try to flip it as soon as you know the price hit a certain number, just to like just to have it, you know, down the line. Um, as, as long-term storage of value. And even now, right? Like I've got, you know, I've got uh, liquidity for the road trip. Um, as we, as we cross towards the free state project. Um, and then hopefully I'll, I'll, you know, be frugal enough with that where I'll be able to buy some, some crypto on the other side, you know, whatever, whatever the price happens to be at that time, doesn't even matter to me. Just less, less dollars, less dollars, more Bitcoin. Headlines? Sure. Headlines. Uh, Tiny pods for poor people sparks outrage in Spain. Uh, Headline, Iowa eye surgeon wants to open his own clinic. For 14 years, his competitors have stopped him. Uh, Headline, EA's failed in-game money-making strategy proves that consumers remain the most effective regulators of markets. Uh, Headline, uh, reparations versus property rights. Uh, headline, governments are going after airline and credit card fees. Why that will cost us more than it saves. Uh, and finally, headline, scabs are the true Labor Day heroes. Uh, any place in particular you want to start this week, MC? I guess uh, with a video game. Good, because that's where I wanted to. Like, <laughs> to my, my two favorite things, right? You know, like, <laughs> I like video games and, you know, I, I, I like free markets. Um uh, so here we go. Uh, EA's failed in-game money-making strategy proves that consumers remain the most effective regulators of markets. 
I should say, like, since we since we left uh, for the trip, I haven't really pulled out my Switch all that much, and I'm like, I'm dying to play. And when we're done with the show today, I think I'm being left home alone because everyone went out for a party. Um, so I might I might get some video game time and some some finally some relaxation in. Uh, into the article, the outcry over so-called loot boxes. Uh, basically a virtual currency in video games that allow users to acquire virtual items and upgrades shows clearly that calls for regulating the video game industry aren't going away anytime soon. In fact, loot boxes and other microtransactions are just the latest in a long line of controversies that have attracted policymakers' attention. Uh, whether it's a debate about violence in video games or tax breaks for developers or ethics of sponsored content, each drama brings with it further demand for regulation and censorship. Uh, fortunately, many of these proposals never come to fruition. Unfortunately, their past failures haven't stopped the politicians and regulators from periodically whipping public opinion into a frenzy over the alleged dangers of gaming. Despite these constant threats, however, the video game industry has proved repeatedly that consumers... Not governments make the best regulators. Pay to win? Uh, microtransactions are a case in point. They've been around for several years and have always had vocal critics. Uh, but the controversy surrounding them came to a head with the release of EA Star Wars Battlefront 2. Uh, Battlefront 2 placed major emphasis on loot boxes, rewards players could use to win digital content that provides in-game advantages. Initially, loot boxes could be purchased using either real-world money or by achieving specific objectives in the game. Technically, no one was forced to buy them. However, players faced a trade-off between spending money and spending time to unlock the loot that they wanted. And because everyone wanted to benefit as soon as possible, there was a strong incentive to take shortcuts by spending money rather than grinding. Uh, numerous criticisms have been raised against the loot crate payment system. Uh, gamers complained that microtransactions encouraged pay-to-win tactics rather than providing a level playing field. Uh, others objected to paying more for loot after having already paid full price uh, for the game itself. And most notably, legislators in several countries declared that loot boxes were a kind of gambling that encouraged wasteful and even addictive spending habits, especially among children. Uh, while I don't find the, this last claim plausible, there is certainly room for debating what makes a fair gaming experience, as well as what developers should reveal in advance about the real price players are expected to pay, and how they will pay it, and exactly what they'll be paying for. So while I think that reaction to loot boxes were exaggerated, I do understand why some players were upset. Uh, government regulation of loot boxes is unnecessary. My main point, though, relates to the regulatory aspect of the story. Whatever their merits, loot boxes caused an uproar amongst gamers and policymakers and inspired numerous calls for legislation to limit or even ban them. These efforts were not only misguided economically, but also unnecessary, as politicians were scrambling for the spotlight in order to demand action in response to their unproven allegations of predatory marketing. The problem was already being solved by the most relentless and effective group of regulators there is. Consumers. What so many politicians and even gamers missed was the common sense fact that even enormous companies like EA are not entirely immune to the demands of consumers. When Battlefront 2 was released, many players did exactly what unhappy customers should do. They refused to buy it, rejected the loot box scheme, and started an extremely vocal boycott of EA. What began as a short-sighted creative decision to pad the company's bottom line quickly turned into a financial disaster. 
In response to early criticism, EA attempted to tone down the loot box mechanics before the game was released, but it was already too late. In the following stock market chaos, EA lost as much as $3.1 billion in shareholder value, uh, close to 10% of its market cap. And although it did try to calm investors by claiming its revenue would not be substantially affected by the change, inevitably, it was. Uh, Battlefront 2 fell between 1 and 3 million copies short of its early sales targets and came up several million copies short of the sales numbers of its predecessor in the franchise. Unsurprisingly, EA began fully dismantling the loot box system, eventually reworking the game's progression system and eliminating all monetary payments for rewards. No such thing as an unregulated market. EA's chief design officer, Patrick Soderlund, has since explained that the company has learned its lesson and will be taking steps to avoid this kind of fan backlash in the future. Uh, I'd be lying to you if I said that what happened with Battlefront and what's happening with everything surrounding loot boxes and these things haven't had an effect on EA as a company and an effect on us as management. We can shy away from it and pretend like it didn't happen, or we can act responsibly and realize we made some mistakes and try to rectify those mistakes and learn from them. Uh, exactly how the company will change its revenue model remains to be seen, but it's likely that microtransactions and loot boxes will continue to be dialed back, at least for gameplay-related content. Uh, in fact, this is already happening with titles from other developers, including Monolith's Middle-Earth Shadow of War, which has also removed microtransactions in response to fan criticism. Uh, what we can learn from EA's experience? Ultimately, there's no such thing as an unregulated market. Either businesses, and regulated, either businesses are regulated by consumers or they're regulated by government. The loot box saga has already shown how one of the largest developers in the world can be humbled by its customers without the help of politicians or new legislation. There's a simple lesson here for gamers. Not every bad decision by a developer needs to be fixed uh, by government. Uh, your thoughts on this, MC? Are, are you a, a loot box uh, collector? Um, sort of. I, I play another game uh, on... Uh on xbox it's the forza racing and they have similar thing but i don't i don't even know if you can put real i guess you can put real money into it i don't know i, I haven't tried it yet so regardless i haven't given them any extra money on top of what i paid for the game um but there is another model i'm trying to find it right now um and uh, there's a game called warframe and it's totally free to play and then if you want to pay money to, you know, speed up your advancement, you can. Um, so I think that's more fair. And but I, I think probably EA probably makes more money uh, selling individual copies of, of their game. So they you know, pick one or the other and, and they're picking, uh, picking to get, you know, to wean away from the, the loot boxes. So yeah. uh, I, I can't say good on them. They're just doing what's rational. Um, <laughs> you know, like fine. You know, <laughs> do well, it or good don't on, do it. Good on the consumers for pushing, yeah. for forcing their hand. Sure, um, but I, I, I really like the article, and I really like the uh, the the response the gaming industry has had. But you know, it, the one thing they didn't mention was it could be other things. Um, it could be a little bit of Star Wars fatigue. There's so many movies coming out and so many games and i think it's inevitable at some point that people uh had enough you know like yeah. how much how much more fun with the, you know the next 
version of the same thing be so yeah um, so so the the solo movie kind of fell into that category where it didn't do as well as projected and they were saying well people are just you know fatigued over over star wars content at this point so we'll see yeah so and even even if episodes one two and three in in the star wars saga weren't uh weren't the best the thing that they had for them was a really big gap in between uh, the, the the original series. Oh yeah. Um, and so there was a lot of hype and, and stuff drawing, you know, drawing people in. people just, you know, people needed to see some, some more. Um, and so now we're in that situation where we, we don't need to see anything for a while. <laughs> like, just take a break. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of fall into that with star Wars too. Cause I, I want to consume more of the content, but there's just so much. You know, between the the movies and the TV shows and the books and the video games. And and I wonder if if that's going to happen to the, I guess, the Marvel uh, universe as well, Um, just because there's so many superhero movies. Um, Yeah. So so far, though, it seems like people just enjoy it. And so people go see it. It's a blockbuster. They know it's going to be fun and exciting and, uh, you know. So they so they go see it. Yeah, and even that, I mean, it's it's been that's the one of the the best things that Marvel has been able to pull off was the, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? It's so vast and spans so many, you know, so long now, so many movies, um, that it's just it the, the people. It might be hard to get into it as an as a new viewer, uh, but most of the movies are so solid that even you know you know before Infinity War came out, we went back and watched all of them. Uh, you know, all the way up to it again, just to just to like you know catch up and like you know be able to to not miss anything. But they're, they're solid movies, so you don't you you want to do it. But the Star, Star Wars is just so much, so much with the books and what's canon and what's not canon and what what counts towards it. And you know, oh, did you catch that reference here or that reference there from that one alien in that one book in that one chapter? That you know, it's like oh, you real Star Wars nerd, huh? <laughs> As far as the, the the microtransactions themselves, like I don't, I want to say that I don't have a problem with it, and I mean I I get that the the market regulates it, but as as a general concept, um, it it it's hard to say that it bothers me too much, and I think a lot of the the backlash for it, I want man I don't want to how do I want to phrase this. I want to blame on the wussification of like the current generation of gamers, uh, because at one point, like you know, you you back in the day, right? Like you would buy a game, and you would have to work your way through the game. And by working your way through the game, you would unlock new characters that then could be used throughout the game, and you would unlock new levels that could be played in the game. And you'd you'd have to like do all this, put all this time into it, right? And then. And then the, you know, and if you didn't want to do that, then you had like cheat codes, right? That, you know, you could apply like the game genie and the game shark and action replay and whatever it happened to be, you know, and there was ways to like to bypass that and you had to buy that device separately. Um, And now that, you know, rather than cheat codes, now they just go like, no, no, just, you know, pay for it and then poof, unlocked for you or grind, like play the game, play that you bought the game, play the game, you know? And it seems like a lot of the feet, the, a lot of the initial articles and feedbacks that I saw uh, when the Battlefront 2 was like a fresh news story, um, you know, when, when people were first complaining about it, 
was like, I paid I paid full price for this game, and everything is not automatically unlocked, right? Like I have to work to unlock what I already paid for. Uh, but that's been that's been like a truism for video games from the beginning. That's why you play the game. You play you you practice and you work towards it, and you know not everything is unlocked for you from the beginning. Um, you know, in a, in another conversation, not on the show MC, we were talking about um, you know you play Doom, and you know the the hardest of the hard hard levels, right, isn't even available until you beat it on like a harder level, right? So it's like you you paid full price uh, to be able to play it on the most extreme difficulty. And yet they, they have locked you out, uh, you know. <laughs> it's like, no, you just work for it. You, know, you, you get good enough and you work for it. Um, you mentioned Forza as well. I'm sure when you turned on the, you know, when you, when you first turn on Forza, right, every car in the game wasn't unlocked and available, right? You got you to gotta, you gotta play the game and earn some money and earn some credits and, you know, things yeah. unlock as well, you go along. So here, here's the thing about Forza, though. Yeah, I paid like 80 bucks for the game and it included supposedly the uh, the the extra seasons of cars when when they released them. Okay. Um and so you you're thinking like I want the full experience. I want to have the ability at least to buy in the game all the cars that I want. Um but on top of that, they release even more cars. And it's like, you know, I thought I was getting everything when I, you know, made the deal, but no, no, it's not really everything. It's you're still you're you're still never going to have anything everything unless you continue to give them even more money. Um, so I think it's kind of uh, deceptive in a way. Okay. Well, how do you so, feel about like expansion packs then? Well, it's uh, so it the different? deception came in when when it said you know you you, you the normal game is sixty bucks and if you want to pay extra you can get one extra season if you want to pay even more than that then you can get all of the seasons and so i'm thinking okay so i'm i got i'm buying everything right now i expect to get everything okay and but, you're saying so some of they, the vehicles aren't part of the extra seasons like right those. right so so you get all the seasons but then they come up with something else that's not called a season it's just called you know oh. a, a car pack for whatever and it's like <laughs> okay well, well that's not fair because like I thought everything would be included in the seasons. They didn't say that. So it's just, it's kind of like play on words or whatever. Okay. Um, you know, and, and so they, they don't offer a pack that just includes everything. Like, like you, you pay the money and then you just have everything forever. Um, okay. But they make it sound like that when the game originally comes out, they said, you know, you can, you can buy, buy this and get one season or buy this and then get all the seasons. Uh, but it doesn't say, oh, but by the way, you'll always have to buy more. <laughs> you know, it doesn't say okay. that. <laughs> well, uh, uh, I, 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 beep, beep. Uh, I, I hear you. Um, and the only thing I will say to that is a lot of times um, the future releases of the game, like, you you know, you, you buy the games early on when they first get released. Um, and at some point they come out with, like, you know, the game of the year edition or the complete edition that has all of those things included, usually at, like, a discounted price. Right, it's like okay, most sure. people are done playing this game now. Here is everything unlocked for everybody. Um, here you go, um, and I, the I'm I'm probably going to end up buying it uh, because it's it's a game that M likes to play, um, and I never bought the expansion passes uh, on the console that we got, but she likes to play Diablo three. 
Um, and so I have a copy of Diablo 3 for the Xbox 360. And she played through that a little. I, I don't know if she completed that one or just or just played through it. Um, and then I bought the Diablo 3, the Reapers of Souls edition uh, for the Xbox One. Right. And since I bought that, they came out with like another expansion pack for like, you know, 15 bucks or whatever that I, I could purchase separately. Um, but there's also going to be like a Diablo 3 Everything's Edition up until that point coming out for the Switch. Right. Which will have, you know, the, the original game, the uh, Reapers of Souls and whatever the name of the, the third expansion or second expansion pass was. Um, and so it's just it's just released later. Like I, I could buy it all separately and individually along the way uh, or I can just wait till they're done. You know, and then then buy the complete version, the complete edition, and then wait for uh, whatever they're you know whatever they're going to call like Diablo Four later. Um, but they and it, you know, so th- there's always there's always money to be made, right? And I don't know when I don't know when expansion passes became a thing. Like I want to say that was like the last generation. Like I don't remember expansion passes on the Dreamcast or the PS2 or anything like that. It was like sequels, you know, f- and full games. Um, well, like for- when when things are easily downloadable, I think that's that's what really caught on fire for me. Yeah, and that 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 seems to to me that seems like the downfall of video games in general too, right? Because once that happens, um, there's like a who was it Shigeru Miyamoto from uh, Nintendo said like a a, a rushed game uh, is bad forever, but a delayed game is always good or something like that. Um, you know, to delay it. And I think because of everything is downloadable and patches and versions of even console games that developers are incentivized to release junk and fix it later on the fly. Sure. Um, and I, I don't, I don't see that as a good thing, um, industry wide at all. And, you know, even, even for Nintendo, right. It was a little, it was a little weird when I bought the switch initially, um, with, with Zelda uh, Breath of the Wild, um, that they were already selling the expansion pass, right? It was like, here's the game, and then for 20 bucks more, here's the stuff that we're, we haven't released yet. And I was like, why isn't it released? Why isn't it already part of the, the perfect game as it is? Um, you know, why, why, is, why is now Nintendo, the company that's like, seemed to be against that for so long, um, starting, to, starting to go down that road? Um, and we'll see. I never bought the expansion pad. You know, I, I personally didn't spend the money on it. Like, I don't, I like having physical copies of games and I've got like my, my, my little games and, um, I play what I can and I, I play what I paid for, for the most part. And I don't, I give them as little more extra money as possible. Even the microtransactions, like that seemed like a big thing on, um, I want to say like handhelds, like phone device, phone games and tablet games. <laughs> Where, you know, it was like free to download the game and then all of a sudden you end up spending however much money, you know, on, on in-game upgrades. Like that was that was the model for that type of game. Um, and it seemed to like make its way into, you know, the console and the PC realm in the form of loot boxes and microtransactions. Um, but even on those games, right? Like I, I got as far as I could get, um, you know, w- without spending any extra money. Uh, and then when I got to that end, right, because I'm not like... I'm. I'm not a, a single game addict, right? I just moved on to something else. You know, I'm, I remember when Facebook had games, right? Like that's all I did because <laughs> uh, I didn't understand Facebook at the time. And I still barely understand how people use it for the most part today. 
Um, but I just, I just played a bunch of games on Facebook, you know, like, oh, you log in and play the game. Um, and then, you know, you, you build your little city or you build your castle or whatever it happened to be, or you build up your superhero. And at some your point, you go like, what's that? Your farm. Yeah, your farm. Yeah, that was another big one. See, and that's the thing. I played Harvest Moon, like, for a long time. And I've got the newest one for the Switch. I can't wait to start playing that. Uh, but I never, I would never pay more, you know, to, to, to do any additional upgrades. I'm like, my farm was as big as it could be without giving them any more money. Um, but yeah, so, it, you know, it, it, it's always been a, a choice. Um, and then, like, I, I don't even know how much she spent. But M used to play, like, Tsum Tsum when that was a big deal. And she spent like a bunch of real dollars uh, to, you know, to, to, to beat her friend's high score. You know, like, I, I got to get this up, you know, whatever upgrade thing or whatever to, to super supersize my score for this like one level. I'm like, how much money have you spent on this? You know, like, it's like, I don't want to say. And I was like, because if it's, if it's that much, just buy a game, you know, like, you know, buy a handheld, buy a Game Boy and just play through a game if you're going to spend that much on it just you know like buy pokemon because people play pokemon forever you know get addicted to one of those <laughs> but i don't know i get i get where the article is coming from as far as like you know regulating businesses at the same time um i'm not i'm not anti-ea i'm not going to boycott ea but i do i do see a problem um with uh with trying to take advantage of consumers um, and I like, I like, I always enjoy consumers fighting back, you know, with, with, uh, campaigns like this or boycotts, uh, or that sort of thing. Um, but at the, at the same time, right. Like, you know, some of it, I, I know you're for is the case. Some of it is just play the game. You know, you don't, you don't have to buy the loot box, play the game. Like it was meant to be played, play, play the game, beat the game, you know, resell it, trade it up, move on to a different game. Um, but don't don't cry, you know that you you were and you you can't win at the game because everything wasn't unlocked for you from the beginning, because um, that's you know that's kind of how I feel some of these uh, some of these gamers are behaving, like they want every yeah. they want everything open up front and it's just it's never been well, how games work. There, there's another game Fortnite that's really popular and uh, you know kids are kids they they care about things like what their character looks like. Yeah. Um, and so they want to unlock a certain skin or something like that. And the only way to do that is to pay them money. And it's like 20 bucks. It's 20 bucks to, to change how your character looks. It's yeah. It's complete rip off, but you know, that's part of the market. You're like, you don't have to get ripped off if you don't want to, but yeah. uh, some people don't know any better. So, and I have Fortnite. I've not, you know, when, when you first told me about MC, I got lucky. I could probably trade up my Fortnite because I got I got my physical copy for my Xbox One for like less than thirty bucks at the time, before it took off and like became a phenomenon. And now I see listings for it for like five hundred bucks, and I go, "Really, man? <laughs> you should definitely sell it." Well, I don't, I don't know. Like, oh, because I'm a collector. It, I just it just is, sits on my shelf. Is it a, is it a really a collectible thing? Is it they're not producing any more of them, or is, you know? Someone said uh, some. I've read somewhere that it's out of print. Like some of the listings are for like out of print. So I don't even know. Okay. I I can't imagine them not printing more, but at the same time, you know, it's down. Like you said, it's downloadable. It's ubiquitously downloadable everywhere. So you can have it on your iPhone, your Android phone. I mean, that's yeah. that's why it's five hundred bucks is just because it's out of print and it's just a collector so. a yeah, collector item now. Wow. I don't know. 
I really don't know. I just I don't I don't even know well, if people I know, are paying that much. But like Magic the Gathering cards, um, one of them uh, the 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 Black Lotus is like worth eighty thousand dollars, you know, for for a freaking card. Yeah. Um, so whatever. <laughs> I I think the most prized game in my collection, um, and I had to buy two copies of it because I wanted to play it. And then when I spent the money on this particular one, I went. Man, I can't even play this one because I don't. I can't open it. I have a somewhere. Um, I have a sealed copy of Harvest Moon, the original Harvest Moon for the Super Nintendo, and I paid 150 bucks for it because it's like you know, sealed in the box with the game and the instructions and all the other stuff, and it was in like good condition. And then I spent like another 50 bucks so I could actually play the game, you know. <laughs> so I, I think it's the most. I think it's the most expensive game that I own. Um, and even on Facebook, like I'm a part of uh, a few different like video game um, collector groups, just because I like I, yeah, it's it's my thing, um, and I don't I don't collect like they collect, but sometimes I look at the, like how much they spent for like you know the one game to complete their collection. It's like, damn, that's an expensive hobby, you know. Just <laughs> it looks beautiful, you know when you when you put the collection on the wall in your house and it's like all the games lined up in order. Um, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, but you know, even even Fortnite, right? Like I only bought I only bought it because you mentioned it, MC, at one point, and then you know, so I went, well, I'll get it. Let's you know, check it out. And you're like, I don't really get it. And then we never, I never really installed it. it. <laughs> but my son plays it. I watched. I was watching him yeah. play it the other day. Um, I think he's playing it on the PC though. So, I mean, it's a thing, and they all do the dances. But again, you can download it for free, and then you pay for all this other stuff. And I just go like. I don't care. I don't. I don't really care how my character looks. I don't really care. You know, I I'll, I will be the you know the the base model looking character for for, for the entire life of the game. Uh, you know, unless um, unless those things come along as part of the game as you know as freebies. Right? Like I, I I will dress up my character with as much in game credit as possible. But when you ask me for extra dollars, I go no. I'll just buy a new game. If I'm if I'm going to spend money on something, I'll spend money on another game. So. Like I said, uh, I don't I don't necessarily have a problem with the model, um, per se. But I'm also I, I'm also happy to see um, consumers taking a stand, right? And I, I wonder how EA even feels about that, right? They go like, "You guys are bitching about loot boxes and microtransactions, but you're dropping twenty bucks for you know a Fortnite skin, a, a skin <laughs> like not even game, not even like you know, not even pay to win game content, just you know right. aesthetics." And so I think that's what Fortnite believes is that, well, we can sell stuff that doesn't give anybody an advantage in game. Um, and there's no real advantage to how your character looks. Um, it's just personal preference. And so I, yeah. and so, so nobody complains about it that in that sense, or at least, well, I complain about it because I think it's just stupid, but <laughs> <laughs> But now, now we sound like curmudgeon though. You damn kids sure. paying for skins. Yeah. Back in my day, you didn't care about what your character looked like. It was a sprite. Yeah, everybody played Mario. Yeah. Or Luigi. Yeah, <laughs> one or the other. It was the, you want the red shirt or the green shirt, man? <laughs> All right, anything else uh, on games? No. All right. Um, any particular place you want to go to next? Okay, I'm gonna read through this one then because I think I think we have time to do it, um, and I think it involved 
this if this is the one it involved a nice little intellectual exercise that um, we can play through uh, reparations versus property rights uh, into the article socialists throughout the western world are celebrating the decision in south africa to confiscate land from white citizens to redistribute to the black population uh, flowing from the logic of collective race-based guilt the justification is that the land excuse me the justification is that this land redistribution is the correction of historical injustices that took place under apartheid Conservative reasoning, of course, takes the opposite stance, morally rejecting any notion of collective guilt. And for anybody with some understanding of unintended economic consequences, you don't have to adopt a moral position at all to recognize the pending disaster that this policy will bring about. For the libertarian, this all holds. But South Africa's policy might serve as a good opportunity to remember the important differences between the libertarian view on reparations and the conservative view, despite their arriving at the same general policy position. The simple conservative reasoning against reparations is understandably that if my ancestors owned slaves, uh, to, to use America's more common justification for reparation policies, I am not guilty of their sins. Uh, morally speaking, this seems unobjectionable. But libertarian ethics are not based on abstract moral claims. They're based on concrete, identifiable property rights. Uh, when a violation of a person's property rights takes place, restitution is the logical means of compensating the victim, and moral guilt need not be a factor at all. Uh, for instance, if my neighbor lives at the top of a hill and I live at the base, and he forgets to put his car in park, allowing it to roll backwards and destroy my fence, he would not be guilty of any moral failing. But would I still not be entitled to claim restitution? Uh, Property-based libertarian ethics would unequivocally answer in my favor. In a similar vein, if I inherit property that is the product of slave labor, libertarian property theory suggests that I do not have an ethical claim to the property. Instead, the descendants of the slave who produced it have a genuine libertarian justification to seek restitution from me, the guiltless descendant for the property that rightfully belonged to their ancestors. Taking this logic a step further, it need not be the actual item produced by slave labor. There only need to be have some wealth unjustly acquired through slave labor for there to be a legitimate libertarian claim for the descendants of slaves to demand restitutions from the descendants of their ancestors' owners. Uh, none other than Walter Block has made this clear case for reparations in instances such as I have described in a 2002 paper, Dr. Block Writes. Uh, justified reparations are nothing more and nothing less than the forced return of stolen property even after a significant amount of time has passed. For example, if my grandfather stole a ring from your grandfather and then bequeathed it to me through the intermediation of my father, then I am presently the illegitimate owner of that piece of jewelry. To take the position that reparations are always and forever unjustified is to give an imprimatur to theft, uh, provided a sufficient time period has elapsed. In the just society, since in the just society, your father would have inherited the ring from his own parent and then given it to you. It is thus not a violation of property rights, but a logical implication of them to force me to give over this ill-gotten gain to you. Uh, this hypothetical, this is tying his hypothetical to the issue of slavery. Doctor Block writes further. Uh, precisely the same analysis applies to slavery. Owning a slave is a crime under libertarian law. 
of those people who owned slaves in the pre-Civil War U.S. were guilty of the crime of kidnapping, even though such practices were legal at the time. Uh, a part of the value of the plantations based, uh, was based on the forced labor of blacks. Uh, were justice fully done in 1865, these people would have been incarcerated, and that part of the value of their holdings attributed to slave labor would have been turned over to the ex-slaves. Instead, these slave masters kept their freedom and bequeathed their property to their, uh, to their own children. Their great-grandchildren now possess farms which, under a regime of justice, would have never been given to them. Instead, they would have been in the hands of great-grandchildren of slaves. To return these specific lands to those blacks in the present day who can prove their ancestors were forced to work on these plantations is thus to uphold uh, private property rights, not to denigrate them. In abstracto, uh, the matter seems to be rather straightforward. Despite the passage of time, libertarian justice demands that descendants of slave owners pay restitutions to the descendants of their ancestors' slaves. Uh, we may acknowledge that these people have committed no sin themselves, but their moral exculpation has no bearing on whether or not their property claims are legitimate. So how do libertarians and conservatives arrive at the same basic policy position on matters of race-based reparation? Uh, even Walter Block refuses to advocate white reparations to black. Uh, like conservatives, libertarians reject notions of collective guilt. Uh, white people are not guilty of the crimes of being white and they aren't guilty of sins committed by other white people, past or present. Thus, all property claims, crimes, and payments of restitutions take place on the individual level, even in joint title and class action lawsuits, shares of ownership and entitlement are identified at individual levels. For a descendant of a slave to make a claim against a white person, he would have to be able to show that specific defendant is the descendant of the slave owner who owned that specific ancestor of the claim. In such case, libertarian theory would justify restitution even 150 years later. But in the real world, such claims are incredibly difficult to prove, and failure to prove a legitimate property claim means that the currently recognized property title holds. Anything else would be committing a new injustice to give the illusion of, correction, of correcting an old one. A general race-based reparations, which is the only basis by which reparations are ever actually proposed, have no place in libertarian theory, and libertarians and conservatives tend to find themselves on the same side of the policy issue. But it remains instructive to identify the very distinct routes by which libertarians and conservatives arrive at their similar positions, which serve to highlight uh, the libertarians are defending property rights rather than upholding uh, the status quo. Uh, end of the article, and uh, tying this back into uh, what's going on in South Africa, uh, wh where do you fall on the issue of uh, reparations, uh, no matter the, the color involved? Um, I guess just like the article says, it makes pretty good sense. Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. I don't have much to add. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with I you. Think... Go ahead. I, I think that uh, obviously I'm white. Um, I would like to think that if I was black and uh, my life wasn't going uh, quite as good as I wanted it to, to be, I would I would hope that I I wouldn't uh, blame uh, something that happened 150 years ago. Um, I, I try to look at it from from the outside, and what what I see is some areas uh, getting worse and some, some areas getting better. And for example, in, in uh, I guess LA, uh, when 
when the CIA was uh, bringing in crack <laughs> to you know fuel the crack epidemic um, in the poor that, I mean, minority that, communities, right? And so that I mean, it's it's hard to imagine shit like that happen, you know. And th- so I would say focus on what's happening now and how to improve it now. Then yeah. then try to get something that you lost, you know, before you were born. Um, and, and I, and I include uh, welfare benefits in that too, because they destroy families. Um, and that, and that is a real phenomenon. It's, it's, it really happens where, uh, mothers get more benefits by being single. Um, and so, uh, the fathers are, are no longer to be around and, uh, and then, the, and then they just want to collect, uh, uh, child support. Um, right. So it's really damaging to the family, these types of, uh, programs. And, uh, I think, you know, people should be honest about them. And that's that to me that those type of things are are what's happening. Um, and uh, on top of that, another thing that's happening right now, um, uh, black people are more likely to be put in jail for, uh, drug possession. Um, I think uh, Ron Paul and Rand Paul both mentioned that uh, numerous times, and and so yeah, there's definitely things that can be done to improve people's lives, um, so end the drug war, and uh, fix the welfare system, and yeah, that's my two cents on that. So. Okay, um, I'll, I'll just add then for, from my perspective, the the South Africa land grab. Um, has been in the news for weeks now. Um, and one of the reasons why I've avoided talking about it on the show um, was because I did not have this article in front of me yet. Um, like any 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 coverage of the issue seemed to revolve solely on race, um, not about the uh, the legitimacy about what was going on. And like... Uh, you're, you're, you know, you, you said you're white MC. Most people would consider me to be white too. Uh, I don't want, I didn't want it to turn into a, a racial issue um, because it doesn't have to be. Uh, and a lot of, a lot of times when it comes to like, you know, what's, what's the anarchist or what's the libertarian position on things. Um, I personally find myself better at talking um, than I do at writing. You know, and so, so when I when I read articles like this, I go, aha, you know, someone someone has articulated, um, you know, the the property rights position on the matter and applied it to this particular case. So I felt I felt comfortable sure. um, with the way this article broke it down um, and therefore, you know, not making it not making it a race issue at all, but simply, you know, uh, uh, a property rights claim. Um, and like you said, MC, you know, for, for people to get, uh, in a tizzy, um, about things that they had no control over, uh, ancestrally, um, I think, you know, you kind of, you, you gotta like find out where your square one is, where your point A is in your own personal life. Right. And they're like, well, you, you were born in a shitty situation. Okay. Right. There's, there's no go, there's no going back and changing that. That's how it started for you. And then what are you doing about it? And where are you taking your life from there? Um, because we're not even, I'm not even like preaching equality here. Yeah. I'm saying some people start off with advantages and that helps. And some people don't. Yeah. And that, you know, that harms 
uh, or, you know, doesn't help. I could say that the biggest advantage I had was that I had uh, uh, a mother and a father that were together and, uh, and, you know, they, they tried their best and that's, uh, they certainly, they certainly were not rich. Um, They, they struggled and they saved and, and that continues to this day that they're very frugal. And uh, I mean, my, my mom was, was like a, a coupon queen. I mean, she, <laughs> you know, she had a, a system, a method of uh, going to the store and they'd actually pay her to leave because nice. <laughs> she had so many coupons. One of those. Um, and that's and so what I'm saying is, yeah. And, and not many people take the time to do that uh, because they, you know, they have better things to do. And one of those things to do is, well, beg from the government. Um, yeah. So, you know, which one is better? I, you know, I'd say the coupon route. It's, 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 uh, you know, not for everybody, but I think it's more honest than, uh, uh, than begging from the government. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, I, I don't really know, I guess that much what's going on in, in South Africa. Um, I know oh. it's, it's pretty much a tragedy because it is based on just based on race, not on any individual claim. Yeah, that's basically it. The, the 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 new government has just you know made it law that they can they're taking land from um, white farmers for the sole for the sole reason that they're white, and then giving it to black farmers for the sole reason that they're black, uh, and even some of the black farmers who like already own la- own farms in South Africa are, are saying like. That that doesn't seem like a good idea at all. Like this is this is this <laughs> yeah, is not going to work out the way you expect it to. <laughs> oh yeah, um, but that's you know it's 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 definitely racial there. Um, but I don't think I the, again the reason I pulled this article is because it doesn't have to remain a race issue when you can when you can parse it down um, you know, to a property rights claim in some form or fashion. And do those black farmers have a legitimate property rights claim um, to the land that they're taking from the white farmers? Maybe, but then they can come forward with the legitimate claim instead of having the government confiscate all the land across the board and distribute it, you know, uh, basically, you know, at a whim, um, just because it's white and black down there. Yeah, I I can't imagine (laughs) what they're going through. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man, that's just so crazy. Um, I guess... they, they could uh, is, oh man who was the character from atlas shrug they could just set the fields on fire and walk away we'll sure. leave it how we found it type of a thing who knows yeah 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 um but i guess they can't even really sell their land at this point yeah no. because it's it's you know you can't sell it to a white person because they'll just take it from them so yeah. they have to find some some uh some black person that is willing to buy it rather than steal it yeah, I think there was a handful that found out early enough and saw the saw it coming that sold out. Because mm. I know I yeah. I know I've read headlines or articles, you know, where they said like you know you know they sold pri- sold prior to confiscation, but you right. know, then but then you're like it's a it's still a fire sale. You're not getting full value for it because you're right. trying to get what you can on the way out. Yeah, and so now the new person gets it, and they didn't pay any value for it, and so they don't care about the land as much as somebody else would. Yeah. Um, so yeah, even if they you know, grow only ten percent of what they should be able to grow, they're happy because you know they got the land so cheap. <laughs> yeah, and and bring on the food shortage based on yeah. <laughs> based on that too. Yeah, it's it's definitely not good for the food supply. Um, wow. 
All right. Uh, final thoughts? No. All right. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We went a little bit over time, but that's okay. Uh, find us, anarchistexperience.com, facebook.com slash anarchistexperience. Uh, if you want to read through the rest of the headlines that we posted for the show prep, uh, do it in the groups, facebook.com slash groups slash anarchistexperience. Uh, find us on the Twitter, twitter.com slash theanarchistexp. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, we still do it through Patreon. Um, because, hey, we haven't gotten booted off yet, and I'm going to keep saying that until we do. Uh, Patreon.com slash The Anarchist Experience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.